Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Thank you for joining us yet again. We are, as of the time of this recording, we are less than one month away from the introduction of Dragonlance into 5th edition. We are less than a month away from Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. I am so excited. We Yeah, we're pretty pumped about this um my buddy was i I spent the weekend with uh, my best friend in oklahoma Mm -hmm. um much more fun than it sounds uh and (laughs) being from texas you know i have to say something like that i gotta because it is oklahoma i gotta throw the jab in there um and he's he's a huge fan of board games in fact we played the fallout board game uh while we were there a couple times it was a lot of fun we played um Mansions of Badness, which is a lot of fun, and he's nice. very excited about the um the 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 game that the the actual board game that's coming that that is coming bundled Ooh. with with um Shadow of the Dragon Queen. If you're if you're yes. buying that version of it, so yes, very exciting times that we're living in, and it is we're we since the adventure since the, since Shadow of the Dragon Queen takes place during the time known as the war like during the time frame where war of the lance takes place mm-hmm. i i thought it was it'd be nice to talk about the war of the lance talk about like what happened the 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 players the characters and uh get everyone sort of uh like up up to date up to date mm-hmm. on on what to expect like what's going on during this time because it's i mean it, as far as dragon lance goes it's you know it's one of the big ones. It's definitely yeah. a huge period of time and more of a very huge important period of time. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm yeah I'm just so excited that Dragonlance is is making its appearance finally in Five E, um, because and I feel um, that this may be the case for not everyone but a lot of folks um, that didn't really I mean they were familiar with D and D but never played mm-hmm. it. I felt that Dragonlance and D&D were pretty much synonymous. Like they were pretty much the same yeah. thing. Um and so like when I when I would look at Dragonlance novels of which there are many, uh mm. I thought like oh that's 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 a D&D book. That's, you know, that's a that's yeah. a D&D story. And so it's awesome that something that's so you know connected iconic. And, yeah, is is finally making its appearance to uh to this new generation of fans. For sure. I'm excited to see what kind of doors this opens and what directions these go to. I'm looking forward to the future of the game a lot. Right. All the iconic characters that we're going to talk yeah. about. I mean, mm-hmm. they're like, it's, I mean, this is, this is, I feel like bar none, like one of the most uh, prevalent and uh, well-known properties like IPs in, in D and D. 
Well, let's get into it. The people got to know. The people got to know. Okay, so the War of the Lance. Let's start off with uh, the main, the main, the more important characters, like the folks that are going to come up time and time again. So let's talk about okay. the good guys. They're known okay. as the, initially they're known as the Companions or the Enfellows. So mm -hmm. the original members um, that meet up in a town called Solace, they consisted of Flint Fireforge, who is a hill dwarf fighter, uh, Kitiara Uth Matar, also a human fighter, also known as the Blue or Dark Lady. We've also got Sturm Brightblade, who is a human knight of Salomnia. There okay. is Tannis Half-Elven, who, of course, is half-elf. Uh, technically a fighter, but often recognized as a ranger uh, because they look like a ranger. Like they wear like light armor like a ranger, have a bow, okay. an arrow like a ranger. Um, mm -hmm. But due to like specific uh, AD and D rules, they mm -hmm. um, their constitution score was too low to be to be able to become <laughs> to be a ranger. But um, for all intents and purposes, like a lot of them, a lot of folks consider him a ranger. Okay. Um, and then there is Tasselhoff Burfoot, who is a Kender rogue. I think we've touched on Kender a little bit. They're essentially um, like, a, like a version of halflings in Dragonlance, right? We discussed um, them um, a little bit in Spelljammer. Right. And so one of them, and so like we discussed, like one of the cool things about them is that they are immune to fear. So they're like these mm -hmm. little fearless ragamuffins. That, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so that, so, and Tasselhoff, I love the name Tasselhoff. I, I giggle every time, name. every time I, I say it. And then of course we have the human brothers, Raislin and Karaman Majer. Uh, the okay. former of which is arguably the most powerful wizard ever. And we definitely, I mean, I considered doing, instead of covering War of the Lance, covering uh, these brothers. But they're, because they, you know, both of them have, you know, huge, huge implications in Dragonlance. And, but I, I feel like maybe an episode for each probably wouldn't even be enough. Oh, good grief. Right, no, for sure. And uh so Raslin is the uh Raslin is the wizard, uh okay. and Karamon is the like heroic fighting champion. Okay. So very much like, you know, uh like yin and yang, right? Right. Uh and then of course on the opposite side of this uh of this uh you know, war of this battle of this uh conflict, we have uh Takesis who is the goddess of control and evil, the epitome, the personification of evil. Uh, she also may or may not be Tiamat, the five-headed dragon that we all oh. know and love. Yeah. I have uh, such beautiful art of Tiamat that needs to go on my wall. There is um, some dispute in between editions uh, as to whether or not they are one and the same. Okay. Um, and so at this point, I mean, like 5e might, you know, put their Ooh. foot down and d determine one way or the other. Uh, but of course, if you always thought that was cool, that this um, like goddess of evil also mm -hmm. is a five headed, you know, in, in on Kryn is also a five headed dragon, like chromatic dragon uh, in mean, Faerun, then by all means, like, you know, go for it. Hey, whatever works. If it works in your universe and you're the DM. Because I'm the DM and I said so. I said so. Yeah. So the little backstory for this, during the Third Dragon War, Takesis attempts to conquer 
Ancelon, which is the continent of Kryn that, you know, basically like everything happens on, right? Okay. And she was defeated when a knight of the crown named Huma thrust a dragon lance into the heart of one of her aspects and exacted a promise from her, sworn, quote, by the high god to leave Kryn and never enter again. And the War of the Lance is, of course, villain's gonna villain, her breaking that promise and unleashing her chromatic dragons upon the world once more. Okay. So, uh, much like Forgotten Realms has a uh, year system that is DR, Mm -hmm. you know, Dell Reckoning, Mm -hmm. uh dragonlance crin they have something ac which means essentially it's it's latin but it essentially means after cataclysm okay the cataclysm is something that we will cover for a patron plus installment later on this month it's something that it's very cool it's a very uh and it sort of um ends like one important period of time and starts another in the dragonlance history Uh Got it. So it's an important bookend kind of thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so the War of the Lance begins in the spring of 348 AC when the dragon armies depart from the city of Sanction and invade the nations of Nordmar and Balafor. So there okay. are five dragon armies in total. One, of course, for each chromatic dragon, that being red, green, blue, black, and white. So these dragon armies consisted of actual chromatic dragons themselves, plus um, some draconics, kobolds, goblins, you know, even humans. You know, it's a, it's not just, you know, uh, it's a, it's a mismatch of a mishmash of, of different races, Uh, equal opportunity um, villainy, I guess. Right. Uh, Each army was led by a dragon high lord and okay. then all five armies. So th- those are like, um, I like I don't know my military at all. So like, um, like a corporal or a lieutenant. Uh, uh, and then the general of the entire army of all five dragon armies mm-hmm. is a fellow by by the name of Ariakas. Okay. So they, the five dragon armies, invade Nordmar and Balafor. Those two nations fall quickly, caught by surprise and by the unrelenting ferocity of the dragon armies. Okay. Meanwhile, the noble wizard Lorak, ruler of the elven kingdom of Sylvansti, brokers a deal with the dragon armies to escape invasion. Like he says, like, hey, look, Sylvanesti uh, will um, stay out of the war, and in return, you know, the dragon armies will not invade. So very much a like Germany, uh, uh, USSR, mm-hmm. World War II mm-hmm. type situation, mm-hmm. and much like. World War II in 349 AC, that truce is short-lived. Of course it was. And the dragon armies... <laughs> yeah, the dragon armies invade the Elven Kingdom anyway. Uh, again, villains gonna villain. Villains gonna villain. Uh, despite the deal brokered by Lorak, the dragon armies attack the forest nation of Sylvanesti, forcing the elves to flee to the island of southern Urgoth. Uh, meanwhile, the Lorak, the, who's also like his, his title is Speaker of the Stars, which is love it. It's awesome. That's a uh, really good name, right? He uh, he attempts to use a dragon orb that he had saved from the destruction of Istar to stop the invasion. Uh, now, dragon orbs are um, like ten uh, ten inch crystal balls, and okay. they have a strange mist swirling within them in all five colors of the chromatic dragons. Ooh. 
In that mist, just below the surface are arcane runes for using the orb. And once someone decides to use the orb, it will expand to 20 inches, so double in size, and then the mist in the orb will begin to swirl violently as the reader, as a user reads aloud the runes that are just below the surface. Uh, a dragon oh. orb cannot be destroyed by any magical force, either arcane or divine. And I love this, but it can easily be destroyed by a physical attack. So it's like you can't use magic to destroy, but you could just like drop it on the ground. Just beat it. Just, yeah, just hit it with a stick. Um, each orb is an intelligent artifact with its personality reflecting what dragons it has trapped inside of it and will communicate through dreams and visions rather than directly with the user. Now, only powerful wizards or someone with an incredible sense of self can attempt mm -hmm. to control an orb. And if they fail in this attempt, the orb takes control of the user until oh. one of three things happens to them. They yeah. either break free, you know, they you know are able to break free of this control. Right. Uh, something else from the outside frees the user so someone helps them break control or they die of hunger and thirst. Oh. <laughs> so so if you're not breaking free or you're not having some like a homeboy help you break free, you are going to starve to death. That's awful. <laughs> it's it sounds awful, but really it sounds like any number of magic items we've created. It's true. Like super powerful, but uh if you end up you know, screwing up somehow, it's going to kill you. Well, I mean, the higher the risk, higher reward. Right, right. And of course, Lorak Caladon proves unable to control the power of the dragon orb unwittingly. Shocking. Shock, yeah, no shock. It's a, it's a story after all. Uh, yeah. un unwittingly allowing an evil green dragon known as Cyan Bloodbane to seize control oh. of him, of the hapless elven king. The green dragon proceeds to whisper nightmares into the speaker's ears. And because of his hereditary connection to the realm of his people, Lorak's nightmares are then projected by the dragon orb, twisting the uh, Sylvanesti's forest into a nightmarish realm. Nice. So he's essentially using like his own like horrid mental projections to literally change the landscape, which is awesome. <laughs> Ah, oh, that is amazing and devious and beautiful. So spirits of the dead walk the forest along with other monstrous creatures, too terrible even for the dragon armies to face directly. Oh. And so as a result, the dragon army abandons its conquest since the forest is pretty much worthless now. It's completely corrupt. And I mean, sure, it would have been nice to have taken control, but they're like, I mean, they're not going to be you know, a, a problem for us anyway in the future. So no point in sticking around. Yeah. Also yes. during this year, a fellow by the name of Hedrick the Theocrat builds a temple to the seeker religion in Solace, mm. gathering about himself an ever-increasing number of loyal followers. Now the seekers are a group of religious fanatics, re religious mm -hmm. zealots, who are uh, obsessed with finding the gods, the gods. Oh. And we'll get into this on the, in the patron plus installment on the cataclysm, but that's, ex that's essentially what the cataclysm was, was the gods leaving Kryn. Okay. Okay. And, that makes sense. And a, and you know, the consequences of that on, right. On the world, essentially. Could be problematic. A bit. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so <laughs> his temple is mysteriously destroyed within the year. Hmm. Also, the beautiful gold gold moon, daughter of the chieftain of the Kyushu, is honored mm-hmm. in a ceremony promoting her godhood, uh, and that will you know attract suitors. Right. One suitor, Riverwind, does not recognize her divinity, for he was raised to honor the true gods, and he mm-hmm. is sent away from the Kyushu to seek out proof of these quote unquote true gods if he ever wishes to marry the chieftain's daughter. So right there, like that's an awesome quest. Like that you know, is a pretty good quest. And I love how much of this is inspired by history, you know, because you have yeah. so many like monarchs in history mm-hmm. who, you know, essentially like call themselves gods because, you know, they're yep. what they were born to the right people. <laughs> and I'm like, that ah, doesn't work like that, actually. That's just arrogance. Ah, that's hubris. Hubris, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next year in 350 AC, uh, the war continues. The dragon armies and the forces of evil are strengthened by the captured nations as force conscription swells the ranks of the foot soldiers. So like, hey, you can either you can either kill you or you can join the army, like fight alongside us. That's a hell of a choice. I wonder what they chose. Right. And and also the wealth of the captured nation swells the coffers of the high lord. So they've of got course. the manpower, they've got the coin, like things are looking good for Takesis and her army. They control all Eastern Ancelon except for the island of uh, Saifhum. And at this point in this year, also Theros Ironfeld arrives in Solace, where he opens a new smithy. And soon he is supplying weapons to Hedrick the Theocrat, our okay. old, our good friend from last year, the the religious zealot, the seeker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, when he does, when Theros Ironfeld discovers that his weapons are supplying hobgoblins and draconians. He begins working with the um, the group from Qualinesti with okay. uh, Gil- Gilth Anas and arming the resistance against the Seekers and the Dragon Armies. So he opens up a smithy. He starts supplying weapons to this guy. And then he's like, oh, like, I'm actually helping out the bad guys. I'm done doing that. I, you know, I want to help the good guys. Let's help. Right. So. Of course. We've got Riverwind, the uh, mm-hmm. the gentleman who did not recognize his um, his lady fair's divinity. He right. finds himself in the ancient ruins of Zach Saroth. In the ruins, he discovers an ancient temple in which the statue of a beautiful woman holds a staff in outstretched hands. At this point, the goddess Meshackle appears to Riverwind in a vision offering him the staff, which will allow for the return of good clerics. Okay. So right now we're starting to see the effects of the cataclysm kind of start to reverse. Right. Uh, Riverwind escapes the ruined city, managing to return to his tribe, weakened by fever, uh, by drugs and injuries he sustained. His memory of his journey is troubled, clouded by the fever and nightmarish things that he saw in the ruined Mm. city. So a little bit of foreshadowing here. Like it. So in 351 AC, once more in the spring, the dragon armies begin skirmishes along the eastern border of Salamnia. The blue dragon army strikes across Dargard Mountains, aided by goblins. And the knights of Salamnia in recent disarray are ill-equipped to repel the attack. 
the Blue Dragon Army then proceeds to occupy Kalamon, uh, Hinterlund, Nightlund. Essentially, like, you know, they're just marching and nothing's able to stop them. Right. Just like waves locusts. Right. Uh, betrayal finally allows the Dragon Armies to enter Salamnia from the south. But the dwarves of Kaolin prove a stout bulwark against the advancing dragon armies. So finally, they they come up against uh, a defense. Yeah, somebody, something. Come on. Right. Uh, By autumn, the knights respond and Salamnia becomes entrenched while the red dragon army leads an amphibious assault along the new sea Hmm. and across the plains of Abanansinia, causing the nomads to fall to their advance. So again, it's like, you know, the dragon armies are just, they prove too numerous, too uh, well equipped for anyone to really, for any like single group of people to really form a defense. Okay. After Riverwind has escaped from those ruins with the blue crystal staff, the black dragon Kissanth, also known as Onyx, passes word of the staff through the dragon army. So this black dragon find you know catches wind of this you know probably powerful artifact, magical artifact. Right. And recognizes the threat that it might hold. And so he's like, we gotta find this blue staff. So draconians across Ancelon are ordered to disguise themselves and hunt down the staff, preferably oh. without revealing themselves uh, to the majority of the populace before the dragon armies are ready to strike. So at this point, you've got, you know, incognito draconians seeking out, not not that Riverwind knows it, but seeking him out. Oh, that's also another plot hook. It's There it's, it is. I mean, There's the heist. This, I mean, this is immaculately like plotted. So it's, it's, yeah, it's yes, great. It's beautiful. So the Seekers, you know, that group who believed the old gods had abandoned Kryn uh, for good and sought out new gods, uh, they were also dispatched to find the staff. And of course, who was among their numbers, but our good friend, Hedrick the Theocrat. Of course. And so by autumn of 351 AC, much of Ancelon has fallen to the dragon armies of the Dark Queen and the companions from the inn of the last home reunite in solace as agreed five years after their previous adventures. So, and then, and I also love the world building of that. Like whenever they meet up in Ancelon, they've, they already know each other. It's not like, you know, like, you know, some randos in a, in a tavern, like meet up together. They're, they're Mm -hmm. already friends. They already know each other. And so that's, you know, and then of course, you know, uh, Hickman and Weiss explore, you know, what Mm -hmm. happened to, you know, what happened with them, you know, previously in other books, but so kind of get past the whole like getting to know each other sort of thing. Right. So by chance or by fate, they meet a nomad couple, Riverwind and Goldmoon, who possess the blue oh. crystal staff. When to them, this is proof that the deities of light have returned. Oh, of course it is. Now, when the powers of the staff are revealed before the seeker, Hedrick the Theocrat, Goldmoon is endangered because he recognizes it immediately. Mm. Unable to sit by and watch the two be overwhelmed, the companions help Goldmoon and Riverwind escape solace. Meanwhile, uh, Sturm is granted a vision of a white stag, which leads the companions to the darkened wood 
where they meet the forest master, its unicorn guardian. The companions are told of the need to continue protecting Gold Moon and the Blue Crystal Staff in order to bring knowledge of the true gods back to Ancelon. And then after the Forest Master aids the companions in escaping Darkenwood, they approach the village of Gold Moon and Riverwind, only to discover that it has been destroyed by dragon armies searching for oh, the staff. No. Yep. So we're gonna take a quick break, go to the middle of the show, okay. and and finish up uh you know, talking about this part of the war that is, this is gonna be a two parter because I mean this is essentially three novels worth of lore here um fantastic yeah we're gonna take a break go to the middle of the show and we come back we'll figure out what the what the companion's next move is welcome to the middle of the show where we we do all manner of stuff we do a little bit of housekeeping we, 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 thank, we thank our patrons. We talk some D&D news mm-hmm. like around mm-hmm. the, you know, whether it be uh, around the tabletop, you know, around the tabletop. And of course, we check out the DMs Guild to see what kind of homebrew fun we can get into. Homebrew shenanigans. OK, yeah. So um, first of all, always first, want to thank our patrons for everything you guys do. You guys support makes all of it possible and it continues to allow us opportunities to grow the show to bring you more content, more, you know, cool merch stuff. We got some pretty good things coming up next year. Um just we, kind of we've got some really cool stuff coming up. It's pretty up. good stuff. <laughs> it's true, it's pretty good. But very yeah, excited. you guys, all of you guys, every single one of you is awesome. And thank you so, 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 so much for what you do. Um, if you aren't a patron and you want to be a patron. You can go check us out on patreon.com slash DND Lorecast. Um, and if we've got, you know, a bunch of different tiers, got some different kind of benefits to each one of them, go check it out and see if there's anything on there that fits your budget. And if it doesn't, that's totally cool. Not a problem at all. Um, you can also get a hold of us the old fashioned way via email at dndlorecast at gmail.com. You can. Check us out on Twitter at DD Lorecast. And you can also find us on the Robots Radio Discord. There's a channel for the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. And while you're there, look at all the other stuff too, because there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, best way to also help us out if you aren't, you know, if you're not able to financially, that again, that's fine. You can word of mouth always tell people about us, share links. Share with your friends, share when you find that random stranger in public that, you know, sparks those uh, nerd conversations, you know, share the information there too. Yep, absolutely. Anyway. Uh, like, okay, so you, you mentioned we got a bunch of cool stuff planned for we next do. year. Um, so I um, actually... We got we have t-shirt designs. We have one that's already done and we have several, you know, in the works. Mm-hmm. I wore one of those t-shirt designs um on this on this weekend trip that I that I spent and got quite quite a few compliments on it. Yes. Very, very cool, very cool shirt. We're very, so excited to um to reveal it finally yes. here in the next few weeks. So so close, so close. But uh Moving on to 
D&D news. Uh, unfortunately, the <laughs> film adaptation Honor Among Thieves has been delayed about four weeks. It was coming out early <laughs> March. Now it's coming out late March. So scheduling issues arose even with the movie. Which I feel like I feel like we all kind of expected it or anticipated it. I know I was amused by it a little bit if we're being honest. Bye. Got a phone <laughs> calls like, oh, I'll call him back. Then they called me again. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you want? <laughs> All right. That's so okay. uh, schedule, I said scheduling problems. And then you, you said something, I assume. Made a joke about it and laughed, said that um, I was amused by it. Kind of figured it was coming. I mean, at this, I mean, it's very much on brand, really. It really is super so. on brand. You know, like that was, you know, it's a pretty, pretty nice flex that the producers really understand like their fan base. But, I mean, uh, you got to know, you got to know your audience. But beyond that, not a whole lot. I think everything is just sort of like, you know, getting ready, like getting some, uh, some early looks at the Dragonlance, you know, especially mm-hmm. the board game, getting excited yeah. about that. And so, you know, we'll definitely, I'm sure we'll have you know, a ton of stuff related to Dragonlance here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, how about our magic item of the week? Mary, what do you got so, for us? This week, I have a homebrew item that was actually brought to me by the demented mind of my 12-year-old because apparently it's genetic. I mean, Who yeah. would have guessed it? That's what might I have for you. family, yeah. It, it might, yeah. Is a, uh, is a wand. Um, this wand has 1d10 charges that you can use at just once a day. I'm just going to say once a day over the lifetime of the item. Once they're gone, it's gone. It's a pretty neat thing. So what it does is by using the spell word, um, it just makes whatever you are dealing with or fighting or whomever it is that you would like to not have to deal with in that moment, just disappear. They just, just gone, just banished, right? Which seems pretty. I mean, it's, it's pretty convenient, yeah. It could be, right? That's super, super convenient. Um, of course, you have to be attuned to it. Once it runs out of charges, it just dissolves into ash and dissipates, which sounds perfectly great. That's like the nicest item I've ever cr- that anybody's ever created. You know, it just <laughs> solves your problems for you. But there's uh, a catch. Yeah, I was gonna say like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. <gasps> Because you know there has to be a catch, otherwise it's not 
it's not you got to balance it right right exactly can't just have nice things we can't you know we can't have nice things so as you're approaching the end of your campaign you're your party has been through so much together and you know that going into this, this is like, this is it. This is the pinnacle of what you've been adventuring for. And as you're leading up to this room or cave or wherever it happens to be that your final battle is, you come upon everything you've banished one by one and have to fight all of them on your lead up to your big bad. Oh, geez. So it's like, you think you're getting away with one, but in uh-huh. all actuality, you're kind of screwing yourself. It's true. It is a wand of being screwed by procrastination. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. So yeah, let us know. <laughs> Email us, hit us up on Twitter. Give us yes. uh, name suggestions for this. <laughs> uh, for Terrible this. thing. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> oh man. Like I, I think. I mean, I feel like it would work best, you know, with like a, like a one shot. Yes. It's like, Hey, you have this thing and you know, you can use it a you know a handful of times or whatever it is. You know, to... it makes things, makes a problem disappear. And then, you know, you're thinking like, okay, that was, you know, I'm done with all that stuff. And now that's like, it's easy. A... Woo. And, and then here comes all at the end. And, and then here comes the problems. <laughs> wow. Well, perfect. So what what did you find on the DMs Guild? So the DMs Guild, since we are speaking about Dragonlance, of course, and, uh, you know, getting excited about the fifth edition official version, I found some 5e uh, conversion guides of the first four Dragonlance modules. So you've got... uh, like uh, I'm going to talk about the first one. Like it's uh, called Dragons of Despair. Uh, it's a conversion guide for the various monsters and creatures and encounters for that classic module. Now you will need a copy of the original module to use the conversion guide because it doesn't include like the actual text itself. It's just you know, okay. the, it's just the five e. This kind of tells yeah. you how to right. And gotcha. what the the module, the original module, the official one, you can actually also buy a PDF of on DMs Guild as well. Oh, perfect. So the adventure is intended for characters from fourth to sixth level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got uh, conversions of the original pre-generated characters as well. It's got maps that have grid and no grid variants of, of most of them. Mm-hmm. And so like the maps are great. The, the maps are are probably the coolest part about it. They're really well done, and like I said, they've got um, they've got grids or the or uh, hex grids, and I mean it's I think it's only like three or four bucks. Like I wish I should have put the price in my notes. Should but, have. I'm actually going to look at it. But I've already purchased it. Three ninety five. Yeah, like four bucks, and then plus the um, the original module itself is five bucks for the PDF. So for less than ten bucks. You've got a 5e version of Dragons of Despair, the very first Dragon Lance module to get yeah, yourself these... sort of, you know, geared up for. Mm-hmm. Uh... These are excellent. No, yeah, the the maps, yeah, yeah. the maps are great. Yeah, <laughs> scrolling through it, it is absolutely that's lovely. And so, yeah, that's what I was able to find. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I told my buddy about it this weekend, and he, he he wants to run it. He wants to run it as soon as possible. 
there you go that's how you know that's how you know it's a winner you're like hey I saw this thing and someone's like, well, let's play it now. Why aren't we playing it like 10 minutes ago? What are you doing? Let's go. Well, that being said, let's jump back into the War of the Lance yes. and see uh, see what how our companions are going to fare. Of course. <laughs> Welcome back to the War of the Lance when we last left our companions, they had come upon the village of Goldmoon and Riverwind only to find mm-hmm. out that it had been destroyed by the dragon armies searching for that mythical blue crystal staff that Riverwind found or was given by a goddess. Mm-hmm. So the dragon the dragon armies aren't you know far off. It's, they're still kind of mil- uh, you know milling about and the companions right. are actually captured by a group of draconians However, Tasselhoff and Flint, the Kender and the Dwarf, are able to escape, leaving them to mount a rescue. Hmm. So they're able to escape the Draconians, and then they head for the ruins of Zaxaroth, partially guided by Riverwind's fractured memories and by the uncanny knowledge of Raceland Majir, who seems to have his own reasons for wanting to discover the Lost City. I mean... Sometimes you I gotta, mean, you know, again, wizard's gonna wizard for sure. Wizard's gonna, I appreciate you not saying wizard's gonna whiz because that's, <laughs> I mean, they will. Have we the all same. do. It's that's true, but it, that doesn't have the same oomph that the other person does. So when the companions find the entrance to Zaxaroth, they are met by our good friend, uh, Cassanth, the also known as Onyx, the black dragon, the one who had nearly killed Riverwind. Uh, I'm sorry, who nearly kills Riverwind. But Goldmoon is able discovers a temple of Mishakal and is able to heal her beloved of the fatal wounds inflicted oh. by the dragon's acidic breath. In the ruins beneath the surface, Raceland uses magic to charm a group of gully dwarves into aiding the companions in finding the dragon's lair. And one gully dwarf in particular, Boopu, becomes oh. utterly... De- yeah, I know, it's a cute name. Uh, becomes utterly devoted to the wizard and then later gives Raceline a spell book of Fistan Delantis. Job. <laughs> Get right. It's great. Uh, <laughs> once in the dragon's lair, they discover the discs of Mishakal, but the dragon manages to capture Raceline, threatening to kill him if the companions do anything. Like if you know if they if they try to leave, if they try to, you know, take right. these discs. Uh, however, working together, the companions are able to defeat the Black Dragon when Goldmoon apparently sacrifices herself as she strikes the Black Dragon with the blue crystal staff and disappears um... in an explosion of magical energies that bring down the Black Dragon and its lairs. That so, sounds is epic. Epic. Yeah, sounds incredibly <laughs> yes. epic. So they're able to escape the crumbling city with these platinum discs, with these mm-hmm. discs of Mishakal. And once they escape the city, they find Goldmoon apparently unharmed inside mm-hmm. the temple of Mishakal that she had discovered earlier. And though she no longer carries the blue crystal staff with her, that's gone for sure. Right. She does, however, have a medallion of faith. And she becomes the first true cleric oh. dedicated to the gods of light. So again, the effects of the cataclysm are starting to reverse. 
things are starting to right themselves. Nature is healing. Finds a way. So returning to Solace, the companions find the town has been targeted by the dragon armies. And though they manage to elude capture for a short while, eventually they are once again caught and detained. And they are thrown into a prisoner convoy headed towards Pax Thrakis. And it is here when the companions meet the strange and eccentric wizard Fizbin, who temporarily joins the group, just as they are rescued by Quilinesti rebels led by Portheos, um, who is Laraana's brother. Laraana is another character that will play a much larger part in the story. Okay. And Fizbin, you probably recognize. I know as that guy. Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons. Might so, be my favorite book. Also, also while this is happening, Theros Ironfield, the smithy from earlier, has been approached by the Quelinesti for assistance in building a fleet for the elves to aid in the elven flight from Quelinost. But before Ooh. he is able to help, he is captured by the dragon armies, and as punishment, his arm is severed and lost before a rescue can be mounted, which is oh. brutal. He just just lost it. Just, I mean, well, I mean, like, you know, you know, not able yeah. to be reattached, sort yeah. of, you know, yeah. And so uh, he is found in prison amongst the companions when they are also captured in Solace and being taken to Pax Thrakis. And he is also, sub- and they are all subsequently rescued by the Quelinesti rebels. Perfect. The companions are then a- escorted to Quelinos, where they meet with the Speaker of the Sun and mm-hmm. discover that numerous people have been imprisoned in the fortress of Pax Thrakis. Okay. The companions are told of the Quelinesti plan of evacuating their forest homeland. And so the companions agree to rescue these prisoners in Pax Thrakis in order to give the elves the necessary time for their exodus. Hmm. So they, you know, enact this plan. And while the dragon armies are distracted by the actions of the companions in Pax Thrakis, the Quelinesti elves are able to flee to join their Sylvanesti cousins on the island of Southern Urgoth. Meanwhile, the companions utilize an ancient tunnel that leads into Pax Thrakis, where they are joined by the runaway Quelinesti princess, Laura Anna, who has followed the group out of her love for Tannis Half-Elven. Uh, in the tunnels, they run into a giant slug. Tannis Half-Elven is given an ancient sword uh, of Kith Kanan, known as Worm, Sli- uh, Worm Slayer. Nice. And so he, yeah, he, so he kind of becomes a little bit of a hero himself. I like and, it. And then he's got Laurana there who's in love with him. So he's doing pretty well for himself. A hero and he's going to get the girl. So infiltrating the fortress, the companions are then separated, leaving Tasselhoff and Fizbin to find a secret path leading to the throne room where the dragon high lord Verminard and his red dragon Ember are headquartered. Tasselhoff and Fizbin are noticed by the red dragon who proceeds to attempt to kill them with his fiery breath. And they manage to avoid a direct hit, but Ember's breath melts the giant chains they are climbing down and sends them, you know, plummeting to their dooms. Oh, geez. However, Fizbin, the wizard, casts a spell creating a massive pile of feathers to stop Tasselhoff's (laughs) fall. 
but it seems to be too late for him and he is apparently killed although tasselhoff can't seem to find a body you know no body no crime it's true i heard that once (laughs) the rest of the companions infiltrate the prisoner populace where gold moon discovers high seeker elistan to whom she is meant to pass on these discs of Mishakal that they found earlier. Oh, that's convenient. Oh, right? hey, I was supposed to give these you know, like, to you. Oh, hey, like, yeah, Fancy seeing you here. I got something for you. I got something uh, for you. Elistan is destined to become the first true cleric of Paladin since before the Cataclysm. Uh, the companions are able to help the prisoners escape, but of course they are met by Verminard and Ember the Red Dragon, and of course, there's a huge battle. Battle rages between all of them. Of course. And when Ember seeks to destroy the escaping prisoners, including the children, he unwittingly, again, villain's gonna villain. It's true. That's true. He unwittingly enrages the senile red dragon, Metafleur, who had been made the children's guardian. So it's oh. kind of like, you know, like, I mean, kids don't know. They just see like a giant red dragon. They, it's, you know, they're gonna do whatever they want. Right. You know, in in Metafleur's mind, you know, they are, you know, that's her horde. Right. Exactly. And so as the companions bring down Verminard, who was unable to face the holy power granted to Gold Moon by the goddess Mishakal, Metafleur sacrifices herself in order to kill the younger and stronger Ember. So you've got dragons fighting dragons. You've got prison escapes. You've got magic. It's, a whole <laughs> it's yeah, magic it's... piles of feathers. Piles um, of feathers. It's yeah, it's awesome. It's fantastic. That's just so silly, but also perfect and so perfectly D and D, and I love it. So then we've got this bloke named Eben Shatterstone who mm-hmm. ends up uh, becoming a traitor. Uh, he's been tagging along with the companions, and he discovers someone very important among the prison populace of Pax Thracus. Mm-hmm. Uh, person known as Barum the Everman and as Barum the Everman and mm-hmm. as Shatterstone seeks to lead Barum away a portion of the fortress kills Evan and apparently kills Barum as well goodness uh, following the escape of the refugees Goldmoon and Riverwind are then married in a simple beautiful Aww. ceremony so we got a little bit of you know a little respite from all the chaos and and, yeah. and, and and war. Um, so, you know, following the escape uh, and the destruction in Pax Thracus, the refugees form the Council of Freedom, who then request that the companions find them safe haven uh, and to find the gates of Thor Barden, where they believe they can secure sanctuaries. And they do indeed find these gates, but they're told by the mountain dwarves there that the only way that the refugees would be allowed to enter their mountain fortress is if the heroes can find the lost hammer of Karis. Another side quest. Which, yeah, which has like huge, like, you know, Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cyberpunk. Any any RPG, any like open world RPG uh-huh. energy for sure. I've played that quest before. Not that item and not those people, but I've but, played that quest you, before. Yeah, I think we all have for sure. And so, uh, the king sword that's known as Stormblade, which was crafted about you know nearly three years prior, but was then stolen and lost, mm-hmm. is discovered. And with it, and the aid of the helm of Gralin, another artifact, the heroes are able to locate the hammer 
in the floating island known as Durkin's tomb, where Karis, uh, the legendary dwarf, hid the hammer centuries prior. So like Karis, cool. It's just I, such a neat. I don't know. I just like it. The floating yeah. island and like the whole thing right there. I love that. And like, That's yeah, neat. it's it's like its own like in world like mythology, its own in world lore. So this is like yeah. we're, we're talking like. The lore cast is talking about the lore in the lore we're talking about. Right. Like that's that's like down at, at people level lore, not just the, you know, because there's always the gods. You're always going to hear about right. the gods and the, all those things. But those stories that were passed down amongst the people, that exactly. stuff, exactly. love it. Yeah. Oh, so good. So with both Hammer and King Sword, the gates of Thorbarden are opened, welcoming the uh, 800 or so refugees from Pax Thrakis. Uh, the companions then travel to Tarsus, and after they do, the dragon armies march against Thorbarden while also marching toward Corollas to cut off Dwarven retreat. So it's like they're like the dragon armies are like nipping at their heel constantly. Yeah. Uh, so they're traveling to Tarsus, the companions are. They realize that the map that they're using is inaccurate because it actually it's before the cataclysm. And oh the devastation of the cataclysm caused the Bay of Tarsus to drain away, leaving the once famed port city of Tarsus landlocked. Um... However, undeterred, the companions seek out the lost library of Kristan, where mm -hmm. Tasselhoff meets a contingent of Knights of Salamnia traveling incognito as Salamic Knights. Not that incognito, but whatever. Uh, it's like... Incognite-ish? Yeah, incognite-ish. <laughs> Uh, like, are you a knight of Salamia? Like, no, 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 I'm a Salamic knight. Oh, okay, totally different. As you were, proceed. Um, since they are not welcome on the streets of Tarsus because, like, their rep has, like, taken a huge hit at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it is in the library that Tasselhoff discovers the secret of the dragon orbs thanks to a pair of magical spectacles. And I would, I need to get, like, I need to find, like, the actual stat block for those and figure out what they are. Uh, because right. like magical spectacle sounds awesome it does yeah uh, meanwhile some of the companions are caught and brought before the lord of tarsus whose advisor works for the dragon armies and it is here that tannis half elven uh, gilthanis and storm brightblade meet the sylvanesti princess alhana starbreeze who has come to tarsus to search for mercenaries willing to brave the sylvanesti forest to save her father our old friend, the Speaker of the Stars, Lorak Caledon. Caught by the lady's beauty and nobility, Sturm makes himself her champion, and the elven princess is equally impressed by the human knight. Mm -hmm, maybe. Mm -hmm. Smitten. Meet cute. Oh. Meet cute in Tarsus, uh, giving him a precious star jewel as a token of her respect. Oh. So, of course, like I said, this, the dragon armies are hot on their heel. They move in right. to occupy Tarsus. The companions seek to escape, but the inn that they are staying at is destroyed, which separates the companions into two groups. One group is headed south to the ice wall to search for a dragon orb because, as we know, uh, Tasselhoff has discovered the secret to them. And the oh, other uh -huh, uh -huh. is the group enlisted by Alhana Starbreeze to save her father from the now corrupted Sylvanesti Forest. And that is where we will leave off this week as we have two different groups trying to, you know, accomplish two different goals and 
has I mean, been this yeah a roller coaster this these books are fantastic i mean it's no surprise that these that this trilogy that these three books you know started this entire like movement like you know that right you know, there are literally hundreds of dragonlance books now as a result of you know how great these three were that's see i love that that's just they're the ogs they're the ogs absolutely fantastic thank you so much for listening if you want to talk some more dragonlance or if you want some uh like clarification on something that we talked about this mm-hmm. week hit us up twitch uh or twitter rather uh dnd lorecast uh dnd lorecast at gmail.com uh robots radio network discord we are more than willing to talk dragonlance mm-hmm. or any D mm-hmm. with you guaranteed anytime you are not bending my arm to you're not twisting my arm to get me to talk about D. Not even a little bit. <laughs> that's that's what we do. That's what we do is what we love. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the first half of the War of the Lance. We'll be back next week with the conclusion. And Ooh. then uh then we've got our patron roundtable. And yes. then and then it's it's time for Shadow of the Dragon Queen. I'm excited. <sighs> I cannot wait. I have it circled on the calendar. I am counting down days. You can count down days too. Just count them along with the D&D Lorecast. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows? <laughs>